everybody. Welcome back to Making Musicals with Holly Earth Richards. That's me. I'm back. I missed last week. Uh, I was in New York City, which is what I'll get to talk about today. I considered recording the podcast from New York City, but the itinerary that I had planned for myself and the return to the Big Apple was so tight. I decided I would rather just drop two podcasts this Friday and allow myself to just fully enjoy my time there with my husband, which I thoroughly did. Um, But yeah, first I'll talk about what occurred two weeks ago, which is exciting. I was able to go into the recording studio, Portland Underground Recording, fabulous studio if you're in the um, area, in the Oregon area, highly recommend Portland Underground Recording. I was able to go there with a good friend, Austin Comfort, who originated the role of Tyler in my show, Welcome to Zion, at its first reading at Artist Repertory Theater in downtown Portland in January of 2019. And it was great to uh, have him step back into that role to help me create some demo recordings for the show. So we were able to get two of those tracks down, and that was a great experience, super fun. And here's a little sneak peek clip of those two songs. First, you're going to be hearing a little bit from Confession, which is a song toward the beginning of the show, where the character of Tyler is struggling. We're we're toggling back and forth between what he's speaking out loud to those present, as he's been asked to give the blessing and say the prayer at the beginning of a gathering. He's giving the blessing on the food, a very Mormon thing. Um, So when he's speaking, you're hearing that, but then when he's singing, you're hearing his inner thoughts. So that song is called Confession. Uh, You'll hear a little clip of that first, and then after that, you'll hear a little clip of the song called Simple As That. That song is probably, oh, two-thirds of the way through the first act, um, where Tyler is convincing himself that you know, it's it's pretty easy to live this this life of deception, not letting people know who you really are. Um, he's com- trying hard to convince himself that it's okay. He's going to be okay. He can continue living like this. And so, yeah, here are those snips. Because who wants to hurt the ones they love? Who wants to rip their heart out? Watch it bleeding to face what you're made of when you know it's all wrong. Because no matter how you look at God's grand design, there's a missing piece, and that piece is mine. I'm just alone. No plan of my help us to choose the right and to always remember who we are. In the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Oh, sweet. 
nothing, Mom. I'm fine. Simple as that. Avoiding heartbreak in two seconds flat. Protecting everyone, including myself. Put it back on the shelf. Simple as that. Okay, everybody. Put a pin on the map where you think he's gonna go. Oh, Tyler, can you believe it's finally here? I know, right? I wonder if you'll go to Portugal like your dad. Yeah, maybe. Oh, we're so proud. Living a life is better than it seems. You put on a smile and work through your subconscious in your dreams. During the day, just choose the right. Save that depressing Freud crap for the night. It gets easier to draw the line. Decisions made, I'm fine. So those tracks are still somewhat rough. They haven't been mixed and mastered, but my uh, friend Prince at Portland Underground Recording is going to be doing that this week. And I have plans soon to get even more recorded and down. So it'll be great to have a an initial kind of concept album, as it were, uh, of the show. So that happened, and that was very cool. That was on September 18th. It is now September 30th today, as I'm recording this on Thursday. And this episode will come out tomorrow, Friday, October 1st. Um, so yeah, New York City. I went back. So when I very first heard that New York was going to, or the Broadway was going to officially reopen September 14th. I heard that, what was it, back in the very end of April, beginning of May, something like that. And the second I saw it, and I am not kidding, the second I saw that announcement, I ran to my husband. I was working from home that day. He's working from home as well, as many of us are. Um, and said, uh, Broadway's opening up right before your birthday. His birthday was yesterday, September 29th. And I want to go back. Do you want to go back with me? And he said, yes, of course. And so I got right on immediately, booked plane tickets, booked hotel, uh, booked any theater tickets that I could over that following week as shows started to you know, uh, present the dates they were going to be open. And because I did that, I was able to get tickets for pretty cheap because I got in there like boom before they were able to get in and change everything. Um, so yeah, plane tickets now are, are back up fairly high. Um, not, not terrible. Um, but some of the ticket prices, oof, uh, have skyrocketed up there. Some have had to be scaled back as they realized that not as many people as they hoped were coming back to Broadway, um, for understandable reasons. But it was so good to be back. I'm used to going to New York a couple times a year and have missed that greatly during this uh, period of lockdowns and restrictions and all of that and how wonderful it was to sit in one of those seats again, have those lights dim. It's just a magical feeling that can't be can't be compared to anything else it's what fills me inside as a human so very glad to have experienced that Uh, while we were there we saw little shop of horrors at the west side theater 
which was excellent. Um, I had wanted to see it two years prior in 2019, the last time that I was there in November of 2019. Um, but it was all sold out. Couldn't get any tickets. I uh, was there as a guest uh, with the American Theater Critics Association at their national conference. And uh, I was able, while there, to uh, meet Tim Curtihy, the producer of Town and uh, Little Shop of Horse. And I was joking around with him saying like, oh man, can you get us some tickets? And he said, I can't even get any tickets. <laughs> and he's the producer. So I was sad because Jonathan Groff was starring as Seymour at the time. And oh, I would have just given anything to be able to see Jonathan Groff starring as Seymour in Little Shop of Horse. Didn't get tickets then. Then the shutdowns ensued. Haven't been back until now. Was so thrilled to learn that Little Shop would be opening back up. And this time starring Jeremy Jordan, who is equally talented and amazing. Um, Also Christian Borle as the dentist. Genius. It was thrilling. The only thing that I can say is that Jeremy Jordan is just too charismatic like he did great don't get me wrong he's jeremy jordan he's fantastically talented but he's just so cool like you can just tell that he's just like a very beautiful human being trying to be a nerd and so even though he did an excellent job like we just know underneath there is this like beautiful handsomeness going on um it's just, it's not Rick Moranis. Like, you know, Rick Moranis did a great job. I know a lot of people get down on movie actors doing musical roles, but I don't know, man. Rick Moranis, Seymour forever. Um, and Christian Borle. Who doesn't love Christian Borle, right? Like, yes, Steve Martin, genius as the dentist in the movie. Um, but when it comes to the stage show version that I just saw, Christian Borle was incredible absolutely hilarious in every way uh playing the dentist and of course all the other ensemble roles which i learned at my staff meeting is how the show is written funny thing is i was like can you believe they were so smart when you have a name like christian borrell you don't just like have him be the dentist which is a fairly small role and then have him be gone they had him play every other ensemble role (laughs) and my boss our managing director dan murphy he looked at me and he said you know that's how the show is written, right? (laughs) And I was like, what? And I was like, okay, no, I have seen it live before, but it's been a long time and it was at a university. So they, they did cast all of the roles, probably trying to give everybody a chance. And so I had no idea (laughs) that the show was actually written, that the person who plays the dentist plays all the other ensemble roles. Um, the little bit, bit parts. Uh, but anyway, Christian Borle did an amazing job. Um, and we saw Hades town. Oh, Hades town. I saw it in November, 2019. Last time I was there. Excellent. At that time though, Andre de Shields was out that night. The understudy of course was fabulous and amazing. I can't recall who it was at this moment. Um, but this time around, I was able to see Andre DeShields in the original cast, save the exception of Patrick Page. 
um, no longer playing, but his uh, the new actor in his role, I believe Tom. I should have. Oh, I do have my playbill. Just a second. Yeah. Okay, I'm back. Uh, yes, Tom Hewitt played Hades. Excellent job. Wonderful. I mean, Patrick Page, incredible, of course. But Tom did a wonderful job. But Andre de Shields, y'all. Andre de Shields. Amazing. Amazing. I am so glad I had the opportunity to sit at the feet of that performing god. Playing a god. Hermes on stage. That man can hold a room, hold a room, and we sit on the edge of our seats in silent anticipation, holding on to every word. Totally, totally, totally worth every penny to get there and to sit there and experience that. Highly recommend if you have plans to go to New York City anytime soon, please. Please, for your sake, go see Hades Town before you can no longer see Andre de Shields in the role of Hermes. The entire cast is amazing. The entire show is amazing. I was a blubbering mess at the end. The absolutely beautiful encore song after, you know, the curtain. It's just an absolutely beautiful show in every way. Please go see it. And then we also saw The Lion King. Uh, My husband has been to New York before, but it was for work things. Uh, And so he's never done a Broadway show or all the traditional like Statue of Liberty, Central Park, all that kind of stuff. So I took him to see The Lion King because he hasn't seen it live before. And uh, even though in general I can tend to be down about um, stage adaptations of of movie musicals or just movies um i think the puppetry the invention and the uh beautiful african underpinning and underpinnings of the broadway version of lion king is worth seeing at least once in your lifetime i have now seen it i don't know how many times so you know by the end of this show (laughs) i was like okay i think i've had my fill of the lion king i think i'm done with the lion king Um, but I'm glad that he was able to experience that with me for the first time. It did not go as smoothly as I would have hoped. And I do know that even though Broadway's been, you know, shut down for this year and a half, they haven't been like rehearsing this whole time. I think people forget that and maybe feel like a little disappointed thinking like, man, it's got to come back at full strength right away. Well, in Hades town case, full strength. It was amazing. In Little Shop of Horrors, full strength. It was amazing. Lion King. Hmm. There were some snafus. It was not, did not go as smoothly as one would hope uh, for a Broadway show. However, my heart goes out to them quickly coming back together, getting into rehearsal, you know, doing these things. The thing that surprised me is they did have some fairly major technical snafus that normally a show like pauses and corrects and then, then, you know, resumes where they took off. And they just kept going. So for the audience, it was incredibly distracting because you're sitting here looking at set pieces gone wrong, curtains caught on the fly, uh, 
microphones not work, and you know, just things that were just not ideal, especially for a Broadway show. So I was surprised that they didn't stop and correct these things, and they just like kept going. Um, so that was a little disappointing. But that being said, all around a wonderful trip. We ate pizza for every meal. I don't want to eat pizza ever again. Well, I will someday, but pizza is my husband's favorite and we were there for his birthday trip. So, and it's New York city for crying out loud. So any chance we could get pizza was the thing. And we were able to go out to Brooklyn to his dream restaurant from the pizza show, best pizza in Brooklyn. Uh, Frankie, the owner and the host of the pizza show, had just left when we got there, so sadly Derek didn't get to meet him, but got to chat with all the other guys at the shop and eat some wonderful pizza. It was a great trip. Um, So yeah, basically what I want to talk about today is why theater is so important to me, and just do it briefly. This will be a short thing. Most of you listening love theater. You know why it's important. But I just wanted to put out there my thoughts on it. Now, I have always felt, and here's my college senior thesis statement, that theater is the single greatest tool available to mankind in order to affect change and increase wellness in society. And here's why. When we attend a theater experience, and we share that space with other human beings and we breathe the same air we share the energy the magnetic pulses of our souls in that room and we make that commitment with the actors on stage to suspend our disbelief for whatever this period of time is And we enter into this world without any distractions. And I think in this modern day, that is especially important. When you are in the theater, your cell phone better damn well be turned off. (laughs) Do not be that person. Your phone is turned off. You have no idea what's going on in the outside world. You are, you know, you are in the zone. You are collectively honed in on this thing that you are creating together. It's a symbiotic relationship between the audience's energy and the performer's energy. And you are focused in this beautiful storytelling moment, this coming together. And what happens in that coming together is an opportunity that we as humans do not get anywhere else. And I will explain what I mean by that. I love films Films, film is a beautiful medium, tells amazing stories, shows us things that we could not otherwise see in our everyday lives. Uh, but there still is that fourth wall, that separation, the screen between, the knowledge knowing that I can pause and get up if I'm watching at home, for instance. Um, get some popcorn, go to the bathroom, come back, maybe stop, finish it the next day, be scrolling through social media while I'm watching at the same time, responding to text messages, sending emails, 
uh, talking to my kids about their day. All kinds of distractions are in there. Yes, as we're watching TV, watching film at home, even at the theater, uh, movie theater, you're closer to an actual live theater experience. But there are more distractions um, available to you. And you can usually hear the movie next door. You know, you're not truly in there. And you know that those performers, they don't see you. They recorded this however many months ago, right? And the editors took their time to to make it this, you know, beautiful packaged product that they've come up with, which is wonderful and we love film. But with live theater, you are given the experience to see something that has never happened exactly that way before and will never happen exactly that way again. And within that moment, without any distractions whatsoever, you are invited to be voyeuristic in a way that you do not get to, to be in any other situation. And what I mean by voyeuristic is you get to openly stare at other people while they go through and experience extreme highs and extreme lows, make poor decisions, suffer the consequences, stand up for love, get their hearts broken. You get to sit and watch a real human being, and even though you know they're actors, and in the end you applaud and you stand up and you all go home knowing that that, that really wasn't real we were pretending this story it feels more real than sometimes real life does because you have that ability to sit there and just completely witness something with full permission you know in life sometimes we do have these hard things happen in our families and our in our homes, at work, that we, we there's a, an ingrained human thing to not stare at people in the middle of their suffering. We kind of just understand that that's intrusive and that's not our role and that's not what we should do. And we're there for our family and we hug them and we're there in the middle of those hard moments. But when we're able to witness those kinds of moments from uh, an invited vantage point. We get this opportunity to sit there and to like muck about in the sandbox of life, to live vicariously through these characters on stage, experience their emotions, become more empathetic to different points of view and different uh, storylines other than our own because we experience it with them in real time with real energy and that stuff changes you that stuff has the power of magic behind it that is why theater is so powerful that is why people go into a performance of Dear Evan Hansen Complete Strangers and come out holding hands, trading phone numbers, lifelong friends, like my friend Vivian Chen. I met sitting next to her in New York City in the Music Box Theater at Dear Evan Hansen the first time both of us had seen that show. 
and and now she's back in New York, actually. Vivian, I believe you're at Columbia, if I remember right. She was in New York, or uh, San Francisco. Just stuff like that, right? You go in, you have this experience together with strangers, and you become one in this amazing way that you don't get anywhere else. That's why I love theater so much. So I just want to use this episode to be an invitation to those of you listening who are writers to keep going. Keep doing this weird thing that not very many people do because we need it so much. And yes, it takes so long to write these pieces. It takes a long time to develop them and a long time to get traction behind them. But that does not mean that they're not important or needed. So keep going. Keep your eyes open to the hunger that is around us for these dramatic stories, especially musicals. There's been such an uptick in the production of even movie musicals in the last decade and moving forward. I mean, just in the last three years three, four years, I guess, if we're, you know, going back to La La Land and forward, there's been such a surge in this interest in musical storytelling, and that's because it has such power to create experiences that are life-changing, that are enriching, that are entertaining in a way that nothing else can. So keep going and, uh, Keep up the good fight. Do whatever it takes. Don't give in to your excuses. There are so many excuses to not write for theater. It doesn't make enough money. It takes too long. It takes so much time. You might as well just grow up and be an adult and get a regular job and just leave that behind you and let the few who do actually make it make the shows and go experience it. But no, don't do that. Do whatever it takes to keep doing this in your life. Your voice is needed. Your voice is valid. You were given these skills for a reason. You were born this way for a reason. And we need to hear and see and experience the stories that are inside of you coming out in theater form. So with that, I leave you. I'll be recording another episode. So this is episode three. I'll be recording episode four and dropping that tomorrow as well since I skipped a week. So double episode Friday. Have a fabulous weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.